0: Welcome to Talking Business Now. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. How can you impact your markets to gain market share and grow sales significantly? We're talking business now with Ron Carr, the author of the best-selling book, Lead, Sell, or Get Out of the Way. He'll share simple strategies on how you can immediately enhance your sales, impact your markets, and grow your business. Here's Ron's take on why you can't sell.
1: If you're not going to lead, then you will be pushed out of the way and you won't sell.
0: And Ron's strategy for closing sales faster.
1: We only have so much throughput that we can do in a given day. Imagine what we can do if we can increase that throughput. So that means how do we have better conversations with our clients? How do we have more effective conversations that's going to get to their issues faster?
0: And on the responsibility of sales leaders.
1: Our job, if we accept the responsibility that we are a leader slash influencer in the world, it's our responsibility to create an environment for which our our prospects and customers will feel comfortable in talking to us.
0: Welcome back. We're talking business now with Ron Carr. Ron has managed to generate three-quarters of a billion dollars in incremental revenues for his clients worldwide over the years. And some of those clients include leaders from companies like YPO, Hertz, UPS, and Marriott Hotels, but that's just a few of them. He's the author of four books, including the best-selling book, Lead, Sell, or Get Out of the Way. We're here to talk with him today about some of the principles in that book that's going to help you be a greater market leader and take your company to even greater revenue heights. Welcome to the show today, Ron.
1: Thank you, Kelly. Pleasure to be here.
0: Really excited to hear what you have to say. I don't know of any business owner or business manager who isn't interested in more market share or more revenues. So let's just get right to that. The title of your book, Lead, Sell, or Get Out of the Way, what's the title mean?
1: You know, when I started in sales in the 1980s, we didn't have the Internet. So what we had to do is we had to educate customers on our products and services. We had to show them all the features. It's different. By the time they call us in, they already know that because they read about us on the Internet. And if we're having that same conversation, we're not going to get their attention. They don't want to be sold to, but they want to be led. And so we looked at the top traits of effective leaders and realized we could port it over to the sales process. So that's why the book is called Lead, Sell, or Get Out of the Way. If you're not going to lead, then you will be pushed out of the way and you won't sell. And we cover the seven traits of effective leaders and how it affects salespeople and gaining velocity in their sales process.
0: Let's talk about that velocity. You actually have a proprietary process that's called velocity mindset. Explain what that process is.
1: So what I realize in for the past 28 years and speaking with audiences and consulting with clients one of the things that holds people back from growing their businesses is gaining velocity. So if you take a manufacturer for example, they buy an expensive new machine. If you put 10 pieces through that machine, it's going to amortize at a certain cost per unit. If you increase the yield to 100 units, you're now uh increasing your profit because of the amortization spread over 100 units. While well, we look at ourselves as machines, we only have so much throughput that we can do in a given day. Imagine what we can do if we can increase that throughput. So that means how do we have better conversations with our clients? How do we have more effective conversations that's going to get to their issues faster, show them how we can help them faster so we can shorten our sales cycle? That's velocity. An example that I can give you is, is that we were dealing with a financial services company and they tracked their numbers where it took their reps on average five calls to gain a new investor. And so what happens is is I went on some calls with them, and they would bore the investors to death by trying to build that social relationship, talking about the grandkids, the pictures of the kids, sports teams. And that's not the relationship today. Today, no one has time for that. The relationships we need to build are around outcomes. So I, I said to these reps, I said, look, Condense that 15 minute social conversation to about one minute. And then tell them, look, I know you already have, you know, an, an, an investment advisor. It's not what I'm here for. I want to just ask you a really important question. When it comes time to your future, what are the three things you need to happen from your investments so that you can reach your goals in the future? And all of a sudden, they started opening up with a lot of information. So we look at neuroscience today, and we know there's this hormones like cortisol and oxytocin. We all have cortisol, but if it's if it's too high, it prevents us from having a good conversation. Our job as sales executives is to lower that cortisol to a point where people want to engage with us. Well, the moment we start talking to a prospect or a customer, their cortisol is automatically high because that's the wall to prevent them from being sold something. So. If you're going to go in and bore them to death about what you're doing, that cortisol goes up. But if you change the conversation and be customer focused and ask them what are the three things they're looking to achieve, all of a sudden that cortisol comes down to an engagement level because it's about them. Oxytocin kicks in, they start building trust, and they start giving you valuable information so that now you can specifically talk about the issues that are important to them, tell them how you can handle it. You're reducing your sales cycle. That process we did for that financial services company, they reduced their sales cycle from five calls to three calls. That's velocity.
0: And so there really is a science to sales. Uh, A lot of people think that it's just a lot of finessing, and and obviously there's some relationship building that goes on, but there's a true science behind it.
1: There is a science, and that's why, you know, I still uh, say that we're all leaders, you know. Our job, if we accept the responsibility that we are leader slash influencer in the world, it's our responsibility to create an environment for which our, our prospects and customers will feel comfortable in talking to us. And if we do it the wrong way, we're going to have the opposite effect where they're going to basically run. They may not run physically, but they're running mentally.
0: One of the things that you tell your clients or that you urge your clients to do is to create versus compete. What does that so, mean?
1: A lot of times I, I work with clients and they're saying, well, are competitors doing this, our competitors doing that. And I said, stop worrying about your competitors. That's a zero-sum game and it commoditizes you. Our job is to go into our customers and find out what the gaps are. Find out where they're trying to go. What are the current gaps? That's creation. If you can do that, competition will take care of itself. Your competitors are not doing it. If only what you're doing is worrying about your competitors, you're playing the same game as they are, and there's no room for differentiation on your part. So how you differentiate, find the gaps and fill them.
0: And one of the things that you have talked about, too, is that you can go to all the sales training that you want. You can have all the skills, which I am making air quotes as <laughs> I say that, but you really have to get people to believe and trust in your message. Uh in you, and then in your message, you've talked a little bit about how to expedite the sales process and get right to the heart of a client's needs. How do you build trust in there along the way?
1: Well, that's the oxytocin hormone. You know, you build trust by showing people that you're there for them and not for yourself. The biggest challenge we have is, you know, we're all human. So, um, if if I'm trying to sell my services to you, Kelly you know i also have my own issues where i got to pay mortgages and bills and all that if i let that control me and then i'm just having a self-focused a self-focused conversation because i want to close that deal i am not relating to you i've got to put my needs aside and be there for that customer i have to have a customer-focused conversation and that's a mindset that's hard to do especially when you're under pressure to perform But it's the only way you are going to perform by having a customer-focused mindset. When you do that, then you build a trust.
0: When you're in front of a potential client, and this is something that I've heard from sales managers over the years, and you think that you're walking out of there with a proposal that you need to send them, you think you've sealed everything up, and yet uh, you get back and, and send the proposal and nothing happens. First of all, what went wrong? What were your insights into what went wrong? And second, what are your insights into finally getting that signature?
1: Well, that's a great question. So um, I guess there's several elements in my response. Number one, I I think that most salespeople of all industries send out too many proposals. And in one client, I've actually cut the amount of RFQs. They responded from 450 to 250 in a year. They doubled their business. Why do I why do wow. I say that? Because they have to use the technical resources to do those RFQs. What if you qualify these accounts better? Figure out which ones are in your strike zone, which ones aren't, and then use those technical relationships to build value add to the current to the companies that are in your strike zone, and you have a better value proposition then, and it will increase your closing ratio. Most companies, for all the proposals they do, have only a twenty percent closing ratio at best, which means that a lot of them are unqualified. So number one, we've got to qualify. How do you qualify? Do they have a need that we can fit? Do they have a gap that we can assist them with that somebody else is not assisting them with? Do they, do they value philosophically what we have to offer? If they don't value what we have to offer, then it's going to beat us up in price, and we need value-added pricing, they're not an ideal candidate for us. Is the timing right? We can do everything we want to do, but if the timing's not right, they're not going to make a decision. So are we proposing at the right time? So if you're not getting the answer, which is yes or no, first of all, it means you haven't met their needs. Something is missing. It could be timing. It could be information that's missing, so you've got to find out. But most importantly, Kelly, I think that if people will take their time management very seriously and realize that the most precious resource is their time, instead of doing a proposal for everybody, really qualify and make sure it's worth your time and their time to go through the proposal. And then once you do it, every time you give something, you want something in return. So if you're gonna give your time and resources to do a proposal, ask the client for an appointment to review it. If they're not willing to give you that time, whether to do it by phone, on video, or in person, That's a flag that maybe they're not valuing the proposal to begin with, and you have to ask yourself if they're not willing to give you the time should you invest your resources. And then one other thing regarding proposals. If you're proposing to a new customer who you haven't done business before, some customers have policies in place that they have to have, let's say, three proposals. Sometimes they're asking for a proposal, say they did their job, when in fact they may be leaning towards the incumbent. You have to figure all this out to make sure it's the right thing for you to do.
0: Yeah, and and it is a very difficult. Sometimes you want to hear because you have all that pressure on you. Sometimes you hear what you want to hear. And it takes a lot of courage in many cases to pick up that phone and say, let's review this proposal, make sure that I heard what I thought I heard, uh, because otherwise you're just deceiving yourself with this pipeline that's really meaningless. So th- that's great advice, especially with the reviewing the proposal part, I think.
1: The worst, the worst thing for a salesperson is an inflated pipeline, because mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not reality. You know, there's two types of pain in life. And um, there's a book out there called The Road Less Travel" by Scott Peck. Great book. And he talks about the two types of pain of growth. He goes, the first pain is that nuisance pain when you try something new every day. Or the other pain is that big pain when you arrive at the end of a period and you don't achieve your goals. Well, I consider the nuisance pain picking up that call when you don't want to, picking up the phone rather and calling that customer and taking the risk of them saying no. But I'd rather do that than have a pipeline that's inflated with not realistic opportunities and at the end of the year I don't meet my numbers and I can't, you know, uh, uh, fund my lifestyle. That to me will be worse pain.
0: You mentioned a little bit earlier when you were talking about proposals that there's a time management issue. We all struggle with time management. Salespeople in particular struggle with time management. Am I spending the time on the right prospects and you know the whole qualifying stage can be very time consuming. So what three tips, just three, can you give us to help with us our time as we strive to increase our
1: revenues? All right. So number one, be very clear as to what you want to accomplish in a given period, whether it's a year month a week, so if you want to, let's say in a year, do a million dollars in revenue, constantly ask yourself for every activity you're doing on a daily basis. Is this purpose-oriented, It's going to help me get that million dollars or is a task base? Too many of us are task base. We're very busy, but at the end of the day, we're not achieving our goals. So be really diligent about protecting your time. Make sure that everything you're doing is geared towards you achieving that goal. That's number one. Number two, qualify your customers better. Um, If you do a proper qualification on a call, the call will take longer than normal. So that's why quantity is not important. Quality is more important. I'd rather have you spend time up front, more time, to qualify so you don't fall into the trap of wasting time where it's wasted or that you get the right information so that you can give the right proposal so at the end of the day it's being accepted. So qualify them better is number two. And number three realize that your value is only going to be really uh, received when you're in front of that customer, whether it's on a video call, whether it's on a phone call, or whether it's in front of them on sites, FaceTime. And studies that we've done over the last 28 years have shown that on average, most salespeople get no more than 24% a week FaceTime with their customers because you've got to take into account travel, and all the admin stuff that they get bogged down with. Well, the more stuff that takes you away from having face time, you're actually going away from achieving your goal. So do whatever you can to increase that face time, because that's what's going to help you develop those relationships and achieve that million dollars.
0: Yeah, Let's go back to the qualifying process for just a minute. You said that that is something where you'd rather see people more spend more time in the qualifying phase uh, rather than produce a lot of quantity or inflated pipelines. Do you have a couple of good questions that uh, help to qualify people? Is there, is there any secret to the kinds of questions that you ask?
1: Well, so the answer is yes. But let me give you a model first that I think will help everybody, okay? Uh, whether you're in a complex sale, simple sale, it's the same agenda. So there's basically five steps. First is to, you know, introduce yourself and position yourself. Second is to qualify third is to demonstrate why you're the best thing fourth is to negotiate the terms and five is to close basically five steps right so in the old school of selling in the eighties when i started most people spent seventy percent of the time in the demonstration and um and negotiation and maybe twenty percent at best in the first two positioning and qualifying but that's different today today you need to be spending seventy percent of your time into positioning and the qualifying. If you do that, the rest of the sales cycle will shorten dramatically. So how do you position yourself at a higher level? One thing is stop talking about your products up front because if you're doing that, you're commoditizing yourself. I like mm-hmm. to have what's called the enterprise conversation. I want to ask an, an, an individual, you know, I have studied your, your company. I, I see what the direction is. In your words, tell me what you know, do you agree with the direction of the company? Yes. Well, tell me what your three biggest outcomes are that you're being tasked with achieving this year. I want to get the conversation above my products because there might be multiple ways that I can help them. But if I just limit the conversation to the products, they won't get into those issues, and therefore I may not be able to build a lot of value that I can build. So elevate the conversation, number one, because that automatically increases your positioning. And then find out what the gaps are, and then and then find out, you know, if what they're telling you and based on those follow-up questions, whether or not you feel it's going to be a good fit. So, for example, I'm going into you, Kelly, and, you know, I want to sell, let's say, my um, uh, a speech to your audience, let's say. I might say, Kelly, you know, and you say you want a keynote speaker. i say, Kelly, tell me something. What are the three outcomes you want your audience to walk away with at the end of this meeting? Right? Yeah. I'm not talking about a speech now. I'm talking about what you're trying to achieve, and you're going to tell me those things. And then I may have you qualify and clarify what you mean, because words, we all use the same words, but we have different meanings. Yes. And and then I'll ask you to to tell me about the consequences. Why is that so important? What's at stake if you achieve it or if you don't achieve it? Because that sets the value proposition. When I get those three parts of the conversation out, I can figure out if it's going to be a good fit, and if it is and now I can start presenting in context to what you just told me. It's going to be heard with more power, and then we move on with the conversation.
0: All this advice and more in Ron Carr's book, Lead, Sell, or Get Out of the Way. Ron, where can we find copies of this book?
1: Amazon's a great place. They have good discounts on it. It's also on Kindle and Audible. And... uh, And then also, if you want to go, you can visit our website, which is uh, Ron Carr, and Carr is spelled K-A-R-R, so roncarr.com.
0: Okay, so Amazon, to go get the book, you can get it through Audible, also on Kindle. Uh, If you want to find out more about Ron, you can go to his website, roncarr.com, and Carr is K-A-R-R. It's been a pleasure having you here to share your insights into this very important topic today, Ron. Thanks so much.
1: Kelly, thank you so much for this opportunity.